Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hi there, I'm Claire Murphy. This is Mamma Mia's daily news podcast, The Quickie. And on the way today, we're catching up with the woman who took over the reins in Victoria after Dan Andrews retired from politics, Jacinta Allen, and find out why she's fighting to help close the gender pain gap. No, not pay gap, pain gap, as in P-A-I-N. But before we do that, here's what's going down in the world on Monday, January 22. With Queensland kids heading back to school today, parents are being urged to check privacy settings and blur any uniform logos before posting that back-to-school photo. The Australian Federal Police are warning that even the innocent first-day pics can end up in the wrong hands and that they have witnessed instances of those images being used in child exploitation material or offenders using information from those photos, such as their school uniforms, to identify and groom them. The AFP are asking parents to check that they have their social media accounts set to private or friends only, pick a location that can't be easily traced from the background and any logos remain hidden. The number of Palestinian lives taken since the war broke out between Israel and Hamas in Gaza has now passed 25,000. As well as surpassing the grim milestone, more than 62,000 people have been wounded since the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7 and the resulting retaliatory airstrikes. The majority of those killed or injured are civilians, many of them women and children. The Israeli military has said it does take steps to avoid civilian casualties, but accused Hamas of operating in densely populated areas and of using civilians as human shields, a charge the Islamist group denies. A man has been arrested after he was seen trying to enter Taylor Swift's townhouse in New York. Police responded to a 911 call on Saturday for a disorderly person, told that the suspect, whose name has not been released, had tried to enter Swift's Tribeca townhouse. After checking records, police arrested him for failing to answer a summons for another disorderly conduct issued back in 2017. Crazed fans have a long history of trying to reach Swift in her Manhattan home. In July 2022, Joshua Christian shouted threats into her intercom, warning her he would hurt her if they weren't together. Earlier that year, another man, Morgan Mank, crashed his car into the side of the building, saying he wouldn't leave the scene until he met with Swift. Three other men have also tried to break into the property over the years. A 76-year-old former mobster who stole a pair of ruby slippers worn by Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz has revealed why he did it. Terry John Martin hadn't committed a crime in almost 10 years when he decided to take a hammer to the door and glass cabinet of the Judy Garland Museum in the late actor's hometown of Grand Rapids in 2005. His lawyer revealing that an unidentified former mob associate had convinced him that the shoes must be made with real rubies to justify its $1.5 
$5 million insured value. At first, Terry declined to steal the shoes, but the thought of a final score kept him up at night. So he smashed and grabbed them, only to find out the rubies were just glass. He got rid of them just a few days later. The FBI recovered the shoes in 2018 when someone else tried to claim an insurance reward on them, while Terry wasn't arrested until 2023. That's your latest news headlines. Next, we're sitting down with new Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen to find out how she manages to run a whole state while also dealing with the painful condition endometriosis and how she plans to help other women who are also in pain. Recently, 1,700 Victorian women were asked to talk about their pain. The Victorian Women's Health Survey found four in ten of those women are living with chronic pain, whether that be related to period conditions like PMS or cramping. Some suffered from debilitating endometriosis, arthritis or fibromyalgia. 50% of those women also told stories of how pregnancy and complications from giving birth had left lasting impacts on their health and well-being. Now, this data probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to many of you. For a long time, women were led to believe that a certain level of pain was just part and parcel of being a woman. But as medicine starts to catch up with 50% of the population, it's becoming clearer that more needs to be done to work on women's pain. In September last year, Jacinta Allen stepped into some pretty big shoes. Recently, in talking to my kids and Kath, thoughts of what life will be like after this job have started to creep in. And I've always known that the moment that happens, it's time to go and to give this privilege, this amazing responsibility to someone else. Four months later, and the new Premier is now part of a unique parliament with a plan to tackle women's pain head on. Welcome to the show, Premier. Thanks, Claire. It's great to be with you. Now, let's talk about the takeover, for starters. Daniel Andrews was, and I mean, some people refer to him as Daddy Dan from his time as Premier, especially during the COVID pandemic. Yes. Because, I mean, during pandemics, Premiers became our friends, essentially. You know, they kind of lived on the periphery for us until the pandemic, where they were in our lives every single day. But how does it feel to step into Daniel Andrews' shoes, considering the kind of legacy that he's left the state? Well, Claire, stepping into the role of Premier is big regardless of whose shoes you're stepping into, but to step in following Dan's long time as leader here in Victoria. Can I say, Claire, yeah, I worked really closely with Dan for a really long time. So I've seen up close the big demands of the job. It also gives me the opportunity to, I guess, really step into the role in my own style. I think any leader is different. Everyone brings their own lived experience, their own personal stories, as well as their professional work. And I hope that lived experience that I bring as someone who lives in regional community with my husband, raising two kids, going to the local primary school, commuting back and forth from Melbourne, you know, they're experiences that are unique to the role as Premier that draw on not just my lived experience, Claire, but so many of the families around me in my community and across the state. Now, you mentioned there you've got young children, and this is a conversation we have around women in politics time and time again. And for you, because you've been in politics for a long, long time now, so you've had your family whilst you've been in the job, but 
how have you handled the conversations around women in politics who have children? Because it's a very different conversation than men in politics who also have children because they often have a wife at home who's taking care of everything for them. How have you handled that? Well, it's no doubt there's different conversations. But what I've come to realise, Claire, is when I meet people, men like to also open up and talk about their kids and their families and giving them the opportunity to do that. You're not just talking to them about you know, what they do and why you're meeting with them in a work context. But when you then also start to talk to them and give them the space to open up about their families, both men and women grab that opportunity because it also gives you that stronger personal connection. And as you say, I've been around for a while. And over my 24 years as a member of parliament, I've seen the way having more women in parliament sees better decisions that are made. And I was so proud last year that we hit a big milestone in Victoria where the parliament is now 50% men, 50% women. That's never happened before in this country. I think outside of the ACT, this has never happened before. It is unique. It's something that the women who've come before us and who will follow us have worked really hard to see this happen. What it means is that we are having not just better diversity in terms of who's in parliament, but it means more issues that are relevant to women, that are important to women, that for too long have perhaps been not given the attention they deserve, will be put well and truly on the agenda. Well, that is such a convenient segue, Premier, because the reason we're talking to you today is about the Victorian Women's Health Survey, which uncovered quite, I would say, disturbing level of women experiencing pain, but not a shock probably to many women who've been told that pain is kind of part and parcel of being a woman. But before we get into the details of that, this is more than just a political subject for you because you personally have been dealing with the very painful condition endometriosis. Can you talk to me about when you found out that you actually had endo? Because I understand a lot of people's diagnosis is not easy to come by. No, look, and reflecting on it now, because it was a few years ago, I can see how, I mean, I had some great health care, but perhaps I didn't talk about it or perhaps it wasn't discussed in those appointments in the way it should have been because I just put it down to really heavy periods and really bad period pain. And I'm not the only woman. There's no mic drop moment here for those of us who've had those experiences in terms of every month, the cramping, the pain, the heavy bleeding, and not just the physical impact of that, but the emotional experience, having to manage your work and your life around your period is a really, at times, challenging experience to go through. And when you know you can set the clock and every month it's going to happen again, that adds a particular stress. And it wasn't until Claire, I was probably in my early 30s, because it was also around a time when I was having trouble conceiving. We really wanted to have kids and it was not just a bit of a challenge, it was quite a challenge. And so it was in that context that I sought some medical advice. And yeah, I did have quite a bad case of endo, went through the medical procedures that you go through, had it, you know, I hate using the words cleaned out, Claire, but I think you know what I mean when I use (laughs) that terminology, you know, because again, these aren't pleasant experiences to have to go through either. So it's about drawing on that experience of women. And this is why our survey is so important. It's hearing these stories. And what's really interesting and indeed at times concerning to me is that half of the people who participated in our survey 
reported similar period-related conditions, heavy periods. They reported the cramping. They reported how it impacted on their daily lives, their ability to go to work, their ability to function as a mom, or even going out with friends. And so, again, for those of us who've been through it, as I said, there's no necessarily mic drop moment here, but it does speak to the fact that we need to talk about these conditions more. We need to see them as legitimate medical conditions that need to be treated and then consider how we have fabulous healthcare in this country and in Victoria, how we can continue to build on that foundation to support women to get better access to the treatment they need and indeed perhaps getting their conditions identified much earlier so they don't worsen over time. Now, I've got friends who have endometriosis and they have struggled quite a bit you've mentioned this, with their careers because continually every month being impacted by chronic pain and having to ask for time off work or trying to modify your job so that you can work around it is no easy feat. But how do you do that when you're existing in a world that is very male-dominated? I mean, now we've only just reached 50-50 in Victorian Parliament. How do you manage your job when you're dealing with chronic pain like that? Well, you just pushed on. That was kind of the approach that I had to take. You didn't necessarily talk about it and you just pushed on. And clearly that's not ideal. I think that's, again, why the work that's being done here in Victoria and the more work that needs to come is really, really important because it is about getting that diagnosis, getting that treatment, looking at, you know, if you can step into your workplace and say, listen, I didn't come to work yesterday because of my cramping. I couldn't come to work because basically could not get out of bed. It's not that you're slackening off. It's the fact that you are in significant pain and distress. And so that is where we are continuing to want to hear from women about these conditions and look at the changes that we need to make. And indeed, this is why we're also launching the first ever women's health pain inquiry here in Victoria to examine this issue and examine not just how we can support getting health responses through the health system, but what are some of the systematic changes that we need to make as a community to give an environment that women can talk about these issues, be heard and be responded to. What do you say to those people? Because there's contingents in the workforces around Australia who are like, you know what, it's like women's business. You should just deal with it. Like stop talking about it. Just get on with your job. Like a man doesn't take a day off because of his period. Like why should you get special treatment just because this happens once a month? It's the same with the conversation about, you know, making pads and tampons free because it's like, well, you know, why should we have to subsidize your period? How do you respond to that kind of conversation? Oh, Claire, we've all had those conversations, haven't we? And we all know how archaic that view is. If you don't mind, I wouldn't mind telling you a story that gives me hope Mm -hmm. about how these views on these issues are changing. You mentioned free pads and tampons. Back a few years ago at the Victorian government, we made an announcement and have since rolled out pads and tampons free in all of our government schools, making them available to young girls where they need them, when they need them. Now, my daughter at the start of last year started grade five. Her primary school is a special designated set of toilets for the grade five, six kids. She came home on her first day of school and said, mum, grade five girls were held back at the end of school today. And I said, oh, why were you in trouble? And she said, no, the teachers told us that if we needed them, there were pads and tampons in the girls' bathrooms. And that made my heart sing because A, I could see the rollout happening in practice. And then she went on to say, but mum, the boys will see them. And I said, yes, 
they will and they should because it's important that boys know that this is something that girls need to support their health and to support their ability to go to school and play sport and, you know, do all the things that girls want to do. So that's the difference that these sorts of conversations and policies will make, not just to girls and getting them better access, but also to the boys because it normalises it. It makes it part of everyday life. And I'm seeing that with my son and his friends who see this as just, oh, yeah, that's for the girls, that's what they need. There's no stigma, I guess, is a point I'm trying to make here, Claire. It's destigmatizing something that should never have had stigma in the first place, and it's why we need to keep these issues well and truly in the spotlight. This inquiry that's been launched today, if women in Victoria want to contribute, can anybody put their hand up and say, I would like to have my story heard? Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear from as many people as possible because the more diversity, the more different views you have into processes, the more representative the outcomes will be and the better informed the next steps will be. So we're very keen to hear from as many people as possible. Thanks for listening, friends. If you want to contribute to the inquiry that the Premier has just been talking about and you live in Victoria, we will pop a link to that in our show notes. The Quickie is produced by me, Claire Murphy, along with our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.